The SaaS Universe podcast is brought to you by Efficient Capital Labs. Realize your future revenue today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the SaaS Universe podcast. Today, Joseph Abraham, CEO and founder of Startup Atom, has a virtual sit-down with Ganesh Shankar, the founder of RFPIO. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Hi, Ganesh. Thank you so much for taking your time and joining us today on the SaaS Founders Podcast. It's it's really nice to have you. Uh, I enjoyed our conversation right before this podcast. In fact, uh, there was a, you know, I, I just felt, um, you know, that I, I went through a mini masterclass on, you know, category design and category creation. I mean, it's, it's really, really brilliant, very refreshing, um, the way you see things and your perspectives. So, uh, happy to have you on board today on our on our podcast. Well, thanks, Joseph, for inviting uh, me to uh, SaaS Founders Podcast on SaaS industry. You know, I'm honored to be here, and I've been following up uh, you your uh, podcast. It's you are doing a wonderful job. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks, Ganesh. So, uh, I'm I'm going to dive straight into you know RFPIO. So, before that, how did this idea all you know start? I mean, what is what is the seed for this idea? And how did it germinate? Um, and and if you can just let our our listeners know about that, it'll be great. Yeah, uh, thanks, Joseph. So happy to share. Uh, like I said before, we don't have any garage story, like typical uh, you know yeah. start to start or, 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 a, or a dorm room story. It's truly out of our uh, you know uh, pain point that we have gone through. You know, prior to starting our career, I was working for an enterprise software company. As a product manager, um, so I've responded to. In a, in a, I remember the last day when I quit the job and I handed off my laptop to the IT person. I I didn't say anything about anything else. I said one folder is there on my laptop. That folder consists of 460, 462 RFPs that I've responded in the time that I was there, almost eight years when I was working. So I said, hey, this is the most important thing I can hand it off because there's a lot of uh, you know uh, knowledge. About the product, it has a lot of winning content. So, but um, a lot of manual work, uh, uh, Joseph. So, similarly, my two other co-founders, RFPI was formed by three three of us. Now, me, Ganesh, Sundar, who's our current uh, uh, chief technology officer, and uh, Shankar, who's our chief operating officer. All three of us worked at the company, and uh, then uh, we also, uh, you know, joined hands with our, uh, you know, VP of engineering, Manish, who's in India. Uh, who's managing our Indian Indian team, uh, engineering team? So four of us work on the same company. So, but uh, if you look at, we possess different skill set. Uh, um, though you know, uh, I'm an Indian sitting in in the United States. People assume that I'm an engineer. I'm not an engineer. I did not do my engineering. So I I did my uh, computer science, uh, BSc computer science, and then I did my MBA. I started my career as a sales rep. But then, you know, when moved on to the technology, I became a product manager. Uh, by the time I quit my job, I was a, I was a direct associate director of products. So that was my final contribution. But deep, being a product manager, you get pulled into many different directions because you are the subject matter expert of the product. Similarly, Sundar, who was my uh, previous, you know, uh, engineering manager, who was also managing security, testing, QA, all those, you know, technical he was managing Shankar, uh, our current COO, was managing implementation programs for the company that we operate for, and Manish was engineering. So what happened is, 
in the sales team, um, uh, I don't know if you, uh, the listeners will know RFP. RFPs are very similar to in our world in India, people call tender. You know, we focus on people who respond to tenders, respond to RFP. That's where we started. And it is the sales teams. So when my sales team got an RFP, what they will do is they will divide that into three or four pieces. Okay. Anything related to pricing, sales team will say, okay, we will take care of it. Anything related to product, they will pass it on to me and say, hey, Ganesh, can you fill this? Anything related to engineering, they will pass it on to Sundar. Sundar, can you please finish this? Anything related to implementation, training, you know, follow-up support, post-sales support, they will pass it on to Shankar. Each one of us have to Google. You, you can imagine, right, if it is a Word document, already the Word document is divided into four different documents. So, hey, Mike gets one, Sundar gets one, Shankar gets one, the salesperson, you know, if it is Jane, she gets one. So all four documents are floated. Imagine as simple as if I'm following Times New Roman, Sundar follows Ariel, Shankar follows uh, Navardana, and, uh, you know, and Jane follows a different bullet. Imagine all of us telling Jane this, hey, and Jane is going crazy. Oh, man, now I have to sit and consolidate all these documents. Then I have to normalize it. I have to send this you know, differently looking documents so that I can share a consistent document with the customer. So it's a lot of manual work in, in everything. So that's where we saw an inefficiency getting created in every step of the way. So we uh, we actually, um, you know, looked at different products to solve the problem for ourselves as an employees. You know, Sundar Shankar and I, we were evaluating some options to see how can we streamline this inefficient process for ourselves so that our primary job as a product manager does not get affected. I estimated somewhere between 30 to 35 percentage of my time as a product manager was spent on pre-sales activities like filling out security questionnaires, filling out RFPs, helping sales prepare a document. So a lot of my time was spent. So we are trying to automate that. So that's when we looked at in the market. What we came was you know, there was not a lot of options out there. But this is back in 2015. So we decided to dig deeper into the space and we decided to uh, see if there's anything. We could every time each one of us come back and say, hey, there's nothing available. So Sundar Shankar and I decided to take the reins on our own hand. You know, in 2015, by end, we, you know, mid 15, we started, um, you know, ideating this process and we were fortunate enough to support it by a couple of. uh, uh, angel investors, and then uh, here we are, almost six years uh, into the business. So um, yeah, we are almost uh, 350 employees worldwide. Uh, we have three different, uh, um, you know, operations in three different continents already. So it's, it's, a, it's a good story in six years. So yeah, that's that's the uh, uh, you know background of how we started uh, Joseph. Awesome. So six good years and you're right now, you know, progressing. So the, the, the quick question I had is, uh, and also for our listeners, I mean, I, I uh, love the introduction and how, you know, you you uh, unravel the whole origin story. But in, in very specific terms, what's your product all about? Who is it for and what does it do, right? If you can just very quickly and briefly share. I don't understand it's a request for proposal software, but... What are the specific things that it does and who is it for? And, uh, you know, what does it specifically, you know, do? Yep. So until uh, June of last year, uh, we were primarily focused on one side of RFP. When, you, when, I, when there is RFP, you know, workflow, there is always 
buying side, buyer who's trying to buy something who issues an RFP, there's the selling side who responds to an RFP, you know, selling team who are trying to sell their product or service. So until last June, we were 100% focused on the selling side. You know, so at that time, our, I know, our ideal customers are, you know, people, pre-sales team, proposal manager, VPs of sales, VP of marketing, who are putting together these RFPs to submit to the customers. So for them, what we do is we actually automate the whole, you know, like I said, right, in, in the example that I gave before, like Word document getting divided into five pieces and then, you don't need to do that when the moment you get an RFP or, or a security question that you can load that into the system of RFPIO. RFPIO is to understand the questionnaire that you receive from your customer. And then it will break it down into multiple sections, questions in, in a web form. You don't need to deal with Word or Excel anymore. So it will translate that into a web form. So then you can easily assign, okay, I said, you know, instead of sending them an email with a, with a smaller Word document, you can say, hey, Ganesh, these are the sections, you know, product roadmap uh, or, or uh, you know, security uh, technology section goes to uh, um, XYZ or, you know, or, or, or Jane or, or Joe. You can assign that to them and, uh, and, um, and you can assign a different section to a different person. I can own certain sections. So it's all done with web, app, web application. So there's no sharing of document need to be done and there is no email. It's all done in a centralized way. And then when everybody completes it, when in when let's assume when when Jane completes her piece of work, I will get an alert. Okay, Jane completed her. Let's assume Joe completes, so I get an alert as a sales rep who's trying to coordinate. All I have to do is with the click of a button, system can ask me, hey, do you want to normalize these things? Okay, I can say I want section section headers to be 12 font size, and then I want this to be you know in this font. One click, it normalizes it, and I want these content to be in this format not only that that is for me I'm, I'm, it's easy click of a button for the for the subject matter experts right when you assign certain sections to them we have an artificial intelligence engine into the system you let's assume they are asking about your product overview okay the moment you click on the question system will be able to recommend what could be the best possible answer for that question Recommends all you have to do is just a click of a button, it gets applied to the current RFP that you're working on. So you don't need to think and create or answer every time or copy and paste with where you are risking old data. So here, when I say recommendation engine brings up, that content is being recommended by our engine based on various, not just keywords, you know, it, how many times this piece of content has been used in the past, how many times it has ended up in a winning RFP versus losing RFP. There's so much of intelligence goes into that engine to make the recommendation. It's like Google recommendation, right? When you search for a term. So the topmost result is most relevant. You know, we, we follow what we call as relevancy ranking. So the more you can go down, the relevancy goes down. But again, you have the option to pick one versus the other. So that is that is the benefit for the subject matter experts. The benefit for the sales team or the person who's trying to facilitate all these things are pre-sales engineer, in some some companies have proposal managers who are trying to you know facilitate the subject matter expert content right you know all those people get benefited on their own work that is one type of product we now in june of last year we acquired a business called rfp 360 which has also product for the procurement team so now we can facilitate asking the questions to the vendors so there is a product for 
you know, gathering, you know, formulating the questions or, you know, question, you know, creating a questionnaire can be done in RFP 360. Responding to that questionnaire by vendors can be facilitated in RFP. And so we have a platform that facilitates both buy side and sell side. So the, both buyers and sellers are meeting on the same, same platform. So that's the product. Great. So um, you saw the pain point from close quarters. You decided to do something about it. I, I love the whole idea that uh, in a painstaking process to put the whole thing together, you know, in the, in the previous organization, you observed that this is also not your problem. Your colleagues face the same thing. You decided to do something about it. And you definitely went and built, you know, a solution which isn't available in the market. Now, how did you really like come to a point of validation that you felt, hey, I think what you're building, you know, is really, really good. Um, so take us through that whole moment of epiphany. If you had a moment of epiphany or, you know, a moment where you felt, wow, this is a moment of validation uh, and, and, and you really felt you're on the right, right journey. Yeah, I, I think it is not one particular point, uh, uh, Joseph. I think right. uh, my, my our realization you know, if you look at it right now, like I said, the day I last uh, handed off my laptop, we respond. I personally responded to 460 plus RFPs myself. This is just me getting involved. There are a lot of RFPs that I'm not even getting involved at all. So there are other documents, right? So, but similarly, Sundar and Shankar, one thing we were very clear, we did not assume the pain point that we had is the pain point everybody is having. Yes, we had the pain point. So we did not come to a conclusion. Okay. We did not sound like we are the experts in what we know on day one what we ended up doing is we spoke to so many because i've worked with so many sales reps and uh, teams and over the over the period of years so i was able to validate that, that the idea it was very evident you know time and again you know you know you would not imagine you know probably what we know was pro probably closer to 50 percent of the product today you know what we have gathered from these user feedbacks and you, know, you know customer advisory board you know this this is this is you know it, it it took the product to a whole different level but to start with we we were very clear we should not assume that the, you know I, I always say this to to some of the founders whom i i i, I mentor today don't assume your problem is the universal problem you know i think that is not the right way to look at it. yes we had the experience we had our own um, hands-on RFPs, but we never assumed this is the problem that everybody else has. So we validated it and then, you know, and we were able to iterate the product. And then we came to a conclusion, okay, we this was the most painful process in the whole problem. And that's because when you when you when you become a founder of a SaaS company, you 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 have a lot of ideas, right? You know, but it is important for to for you to focus on certain things. What we did at that time was we picked one workflow of dealing with excel based rp that's the only thing today we support many different formats so when we started our PA, we said okay it was very evident people felt dealing with excel was so much harder so we said okay we are going to solve that and we made it as a mission at that time even till date we have the best solution to solve that problem where day one when we launched that and we said okay when a customer gets an rfp document in an excel format we should be the best in class to solve or import that document into our system. And we did that and we still do that. And we, in fact, how we did that was, you know, we spent three, three, four nights. We did not sleep. You know, it's, I'm proud to call, we even patented that process. 
but now a lot of our lot of our competition uses the process we are very you know happy about because at the end of the day it adds value to the customer it makes the process simpler but today a lot of our you know right. even we, the company that we acquired or 360 had a same process because i can guarantee say you know the certain marks that you do the certain ways you do we did not look from any any inspection it is just us breaking your head how can we process that? but when we validated it in the customer right. and, and this whole thing came true when our uh, when we when our first customer called and said hey we saw a small video that you guys have we i think this can solve our problem can we can we try it and it became in a, in a moment okay this is true people are looking for a solution so and then three four days later that customer actually swiped a card and they started uh, using the product it you no know, it was that 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 moment we felt okay it is true we are getting you know, in serious. We are we are doing something really meaningful. That's the it is in 20, 2016. Our first paying customer came on board on June 16, 2016. It's a fancy number. I still remember six sixteen sixteen. Wow. Was our, <laughs> the date uh, we signed up our first customer. Today we are almost approaching two thousand customer. Uh, so yeah. these are not mom and pop shops. Today we have almost fifteen of uh, uh, Fortune uh, hundred companies in the platform. Almost fifty plus Fortune. Uh, thousand companies, a lot of SaaS companies, a lot of Indian companies uh, whom we are already know, like Freshworks, Chartbee, uh, you know, Wattfix, uh, you know, AppUX. Uh, they use our PIO. This, this is a very proud moment. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, very, very quick question that I had a follow up to that is like, how did you get your first ten to fifty customers? Like, crossing that chasm is is, is difficult. Uh, I do understand you had a you know. A, a good breakthrough you understood you spoke to a lot of users and you had an access to that so uh because i mean did your stint at the previous organization help you to get your early customers you know far easily than than what it would have been uh, i mean just take us through that journey as well yeah yeah uh, like i said uh, you know uh, between the three of us i am the sales guy <laughs> you know I, it was my responsibility before we started hiring our sales team it's my responsibility so i think maybe first 15 20 plus customer was brought on by me you know and who else could be a better you know seller than founders right you know i think uh, uh, we uh, i i brought in uh, you know first uh, you know but the, the way we brought in is like you said I was lucky enough, I was fortunate enough to work with a lot of great uh, sales reps in the past because as a product manager, you know, you get to work with the sales rep. People move to different companies, different organizations at different points. I was able to maintain that relationship. You know, that's why I say don't break the bridge right now. You know, I've never, you know, I think it's, the world is so small. Um, you know, somewhere, someday, some point of time, something will be needed. So just be careful on maintaining the relationship. You know, again, you don't need to, you know, uh, smooth talk every time. Just, you know, maintain a good relationship with people. You know, formally you're, you're associating. Someday it will, it will come and help in handy. I think it's true in our case. People who have interacted with me in the past, at some point, even though they are not decision, they were not the decision makers. They were able to pass on my reference to say, hey. Hey, this is a known person. I've known him before, and he's a, he's a wonderful individual. I know him on the floor. How he worked hard. Some some kind words when they pass on, right? You know, reference goes a long way. That's how I think. You know, in fact, you know, the, the first customer I showed told you, right? It it, um, it ha- how it happened is 
oh, we, um, uh, I was introduced by my ex-colleague to, I mean, we have that something called Technology Association of Oregon. In, 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 it's like a, it's like a forum. It's a nonprofit organization in Oregon where we started the company. So the president of that company, he, he, he writes articles in the local journal for an important journal. He, he wrote a small article about us. And that article was read by somebody in our first customer. They went to our website and saw that. Again, if you look at how I got connected, if that article, again, I don't know, would have still made it, but I think that was a breakthrough. But that breakthrough happened because of that was the pay, first paying customer. The moment we started, see, the market validation really comes. We had customers before that also. I, I those are customers on my first circle, you know, your friends and you know this, this is the first time we are validating outside of your comfort zone outside of your social zone you know third degree customers right you know you're talking about that is when the the rubber meets the road you know i i truly feel the products gets traction the moment you start signing up people whom you don't know you don't even speak and uh, spoken to them in the past so that's when the the, the moment starts and you know first maybe 15 20 customers that's how we brought in and i did you know it's funny, you know, uh, and then we started realizing one one uh, one of the uh, uh, meetings uh, uh, I was talking to my mentor. Uh, I, I think I was naive during that time, but I immediately changed. Uh, the, the, my, that mentor said, you got to be in front of customer. Uh, and I, the moment they say the reason why I say I'm not as naive is, oh, if I know that I would be I would be simply making it. Yeah. It was so powerful statement that he made. That I think that kind of, you know, I I, I felt uh, a cliche at that uh, moment. But and I was driving home from it was a dinner and that dinner finished and I was driving home. What what does it mean? And he said you have to be in front of customer where they are looking for. Okay, what does it mean? I came home that day night. I took my laptop and I searched for RFP software because immediately in my mind as an RFP buy, software buying person, what do I do? I go and search in Google. Nothing came up. Okay, that is the moment. Okay, and you know it doesn't mean that everybody has the same thing. Imagine you are an app company. You have to be in App Store. You have to, if you are a Salesforce app, you have to be on Salesforce app. You know, it depends on you know where your customer, understanding where your customer is looking is so important for you. So that's when we realized, okay, this is this makes sense, you know. And you know, sometimes you have to be in an event. Sometimes you have to be in front of where your customers are looking for you, your products like that. So every product is not does not fit well for Google. So you have to identify where your customers are looking for. Um, so that is the kind of moment we. And then we started spending a lot of energy into content marketing. We did not hire our sales team first. We hired our content person first, our marketing team first. So we started pouring a lot of our energy into that so you know to maintain the seo ranking to maintain the content we, we educated customers what an software is all about because back in there is nothing left so that's that's where i would say looking at uh, you know it is important to understand where your customers are for it is very cliche oh everybody can say oh if i know but go deeper understand where your customers are looking for is is the most important thing you know as software founders can do
Wow, mm-hmm. that's that's a value bomb right there, right? So I I was going through your site and I was uh, amazed. Like you have an RFPIO university, you have a Slack group, you know, that supports you know people, and it's it's brilliant. Like what you've been doing, right? In in, in such a short span. I'm going to take a quick moment because I loved our conversation before this, you know, in the recording, which is on on the lines of creating a category, right? Um, it's a struggle because what you're trying to solve is totally different. And I love what you just shared, uh, you know, uh, which is about people placing you in the proposal, you know, management space where you are not assistant person of what you were. So how did you actually, um, you know, muster your courage to go build a category, right? So like, what was the driving force behind that? Or was this like a necessity and need that, that drove that? Yeah. Again, um, you know, category creation has been spoken by many different people. And, you know, it also, there is, there is a myth of, oh, you have to create a category. You don't have to, unless you really see a need. And on category creation is a very tiring, very expensive, very educational process that you have to go through. And if you're not ready for that, don't try it. That's my answer. But for us, it naturally occurred, right? You know, back in 2016, when we started RSPIO, you know, company, you know, a lot of the the public forums or, you know, uh, the so-called review sites categorized as a proposal management software. Proposal management software is good. You know, you know, you know if I look into RSPIO, probably it's 10% of what we do. It is good software. If you're a freelancer, you know, if you want to send out uh, a nicely looking proposal to your prospect, you don't have time to develop that. Those are applications that could help you to create that. It's just a one-on-one. So, whereas what we do is much beyond. We can do that too. But what we do is content creation, content management, workflow, compliance, governance of content. There's so much of back-end things. So what we started doing in 2017-18 is we started educating the market about RSP software. You know, today, you know, I'm proud to say we are the market-leading software in, in this category of RSP software. You know, now we have a category called RSP software. People do, you know, software review platforms like G2 Crowd, Captera. There is something called RSP software as a category. But what we've realized in 18-19 time, it is much bigger. You know, it is, again, our customers... The way we, we saw our customer use our product was much bigger than what we originally envisioned, right? You know, in the, the reason why I say that is the content that is curated for RFPs is now being used and consumed for so many different use cases, as simple as responding to an email to a prospect. If you need to put in the right content, they are, they are using the content that is in RFPIO because they feel that is the most authentic, most accurate, most compliant content that they can use because that is coming from the so-called SMEs for an RFP, which they don't want to risk it. So the content that we possess is the most critical content. They are repurposing that content for other use cases. The category that now we are evangelizing is response management. How can you, when I say you, you, your frontline teams, it could be support, it could be sales, it could be account management, it could be anybody who is communicating the content of your organization to the outside world, stakeholders, where they need to be a compliant, they can use our software. And that is what I'm calling responsibly respond, right? You, how, where do you need responsiveness to respond? That content exists in our fair. So we see an opportunity to educate the market in a way they can use RFA to respond to any sort of such required thing. It could be RFP, security questionnaires, emails, 
anything that they want to respond to the outside world we have the content got it i think i think you're going to make me fall in love with rfp rfpio because i mean i i mean you're very passionate about it and it just is just rubbing off on me right i mean i really love the way you've been able to build all of this and switching gears here so lovely you you saw a problem you went solved it and got customers uh and and were able to like uh you know pioneer and create a category and it's 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 amazing to see all these accomplishments now let's talk a little bit about like uh, i mean you you mentioned that you had a couple of angel investors right in the beginning helping you so how has the funding journey been uh, and what was the challenges that you had and how 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 did you raise funding and and so on and so forth yeah i i think a lot of uh, you know buzzes going around funding um, you know but truly speaking for ross um, you know the three of us who co-founders none of us are born entrepreneurs none of us came up with a big bank balance so right? you know i was living off my paycheck to paycheck you know to, you know but we well felt this was an opportunity to create we approached a couple of angel investors you know that is the only time really we really pitched into you know the investors to say hey after that i i, I was fortunate enough fortunate enough to be called this business as a customer funded business you know you know truly speaking so if you know um, you know my my recommendation is you know that a lot of noise and buzz going around funding the best thing that could happen for a business is customer funding you know when i say customer funding it's not about their funding to your growth by subscription license right? it is the most most efficient way to run your business and grow your business i think we were fortunate enough to do that but when we also did series a back in 2018 when we brought in k1 it was not for funding requirement we 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 didn't bring them for funding needs to run our day to day operations it was mainly for strategy i think it was either microsoft or visa at that time when we started 2016 2018 they were asking are you guys a real company are you guys going to sustain this thing what is you know it kind of bounced on us and see we wanted a big banner behind us we said okay we want to do this so we brought in k1 and at that time we we gave a good exit to all the small we gave exit to 11 small investors you know in in, in a matter of 15 months and and i i think investors were very happy on the returns that they got and we were happy because we were able to trade them for a bigger investor much bigger profile it gave us a good strong presence in the market today nobody's asking about financials we are only sending them hey we are backed up by k1 here is a presentation it helped so many different ways and it was very strategic for us too awesome awesome great so um i just want to ask you like uh, you know a couple more questions and i'm going to get into the fun part which is the rapid fire round right so um just just one quick question right in in that that's that's lingering on my mind is that what's your favorite metric uh on on an everyday basis ganesh like what what do you what what is that one thing that you measure yeah so one thing i me- measure in terms of uh, you know um is i i i rigorously see nps net promoter score of our customers how it it's in one leading indicator how your customers are 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 using your product I also, I also, and again, I, I don't think every company um, uh, can can do this. So I was fortunate enough. One day, I I, I um, randomly went into LinkedIn uh, for some reason. I was looking at 
I searched for word RFPIO on LinkedIn and I went to the job section to see how many job postings we have done. It was even today morning I looked at it. There are 252 jobs that are in LinkedIn today that has word RFPIO in their job description. Out of that, only 20 of that has been posted by RFPIO for our own requirement. If I take that, more than 200 jobs are, are on the market today who are looking for RFPIO experience. I feel really proud how many companies can claim in less than six years where customers are looking for RFPIO experience, right? You know, how many companies can claim that? You know, these, this is like, you know, these are companies, oh, you look for Salesforce experience, you look for Oracle experience. It is very similar moment. And you know, I, I see that, you know, it also creates a brand equity in the, in, in the space. We are trying to create not only an ecosystem, we are trying to create jobs in, you know, in, in, in the ecosystem, in our customer base, you know, I see, we, like you said, we have a Slack channel. I see every single day job posting, hey, we are looking for proposal manager. We are looking for sales engineer who have this experience of RFPIO. It's amazing to see how the snowball effect, you know, you know, when I first saw it with three jobs, today we are over 200 and something jobs. It's the, it's the, it's the, it's the moment that we, we all celebrate. And I think I'm very proud of that. Uh, so that's that's another metric that I usually see. It may not be everything, but NPS and um, you know, of course, you know, revenue is another important metric, and pipeline is another. You know, if you ask me, top one NPS, and I also see this, uh, you know, how many how many customers are looking for RFIO experience. So that's another metric that I usually look. Awesome. So I'm just going to go to the rapid fire round, and so here are your five rapid fire questions, right? So quick responses. Let's go. I know you're really far away, but I know you're traveling to India. So when you are here, when we meet, I'll give you the gift hamper, right? So uh, if you do well, right? So there's a there's a if uh, no. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Here, right. So um, so quickly, Ganesh, um, what's your you know favorite gadget at this point of time? My iPhone. Your iPhone, okay. And um, is it a book or a show that you're watching or reading at this given point of time? Play Bigger. Play book. Bigger. Okay. Play bigger. By Christopher Lockheed. Yeah. No, I'll Ramadan. I'll so run this down. is really, if you're really serious about category creation. Category creation, is, absolutely, absolutely. I think, I think Christopher Lockheed also is part of the, the author's... Yeah, author, yeah. Play, the, Christopher Lockheed, yes, correct. Yeah, absolutely. Great. And... Um, What's your favorite SaaS tool? My Salesforce. Salesforce, okay. Uh, how many of hours of sleep do you get every night? It's controversial. It could be. <laughs> no. As a founder, do, do I get to sleep? Uh, no, I, I, I usually maintain a good seven to eight hours sleep. Awesome, awesome. And um, how has pandemic really changed your life? Uh, I was never a work from home person, but I think now I'm working from home. I thought I will never adopt, but it looks like you know I'm I'm, I'm good in adopting certain things. So yeah, uh, uh, it, it's it's amazing how world have changed in a matter of two years, and I'm proud to you know it's, it's devastating to see that, but the transition as a human being evol evolution that you see in this pre period was you know I don't think in you know any of the at least uh, in our our life. I don't think you will be able to see this, but we were lucky enough to see the transition in front of our eyes, how this changed. Uh, so uh, if I have to take the whole pandemic uh, in a devastating situation, if I have to take one silver line, how humans have evolved in a working remote, you know, maintaining social distance and, and maintaining, uh, that is something, you know, I, I never thought I would experience in my life and I'm, I'm grateful for that. 
Wow. So with another rapid fire that you did really, really well. So I'm going to like give you a gift hamper. So this is the last question for the, for the podcast. We are wrapping up here. So what's that one thing that you wish you knew when you are 20 years old? My current co-founders. I would have found <laughs> Current co-founders. Got it. Got it. Got it. Great. So it was really nice chatting with you, Ganesh. In fact, I, I lost track of time. I mean, I usually am, um, you know, very observant, but uh, this is fun, like chatting with you in, uh, and, and learning. I mean, there's a lot of things that I was learning, uh, taking down notes as well. Um, I love the whole idea of how you've been creating this whole category thing. I mean, that, that's, that really gripped me about this whole idea of response management system and so on and so forth. Um, and 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 it, it's it's really really nice to like you know have have this you know whole conversation with you. So looking forward to staying in touch. Thank you so much for your time. That's all for today, folks. Thank you for tuning into the SaaS Universe podcast. And remember, if you're looking for non-dilutive capital to help grow your business, Efficient Capital Labs is here to help. With their unique approach, you can receive up to 75% of your projected revenue as upfront capital and all within just three days. So don't wait. Head to www.ecaplabs.com to learn more and get started today. Thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time on the show.